This is Positively Farming Media. It's been an unusually warm start to fall in many areas of North America. My home in West Central Missouri is no exception, where we're still seeing temperatures up into the 90s Fahrenheit the past few days. But I know we're inching closer to our usual first frost date, and I'm most certainly going to be prepared because our weather is notorious for changing practically overnight and then changing back again. If you're somewhere that experiences frost, which is basically anywhere up through USDA hardiness zone 10, it pays to be prepared for the unexpected. Sometimes you may only have a few hours warning that a frost is coming overnight and scrambling to find everything you need at the last minute and then covering plants up in the dark is no fun, especially when the forecast shows a two-week warm-up after one single night of frost. Ask me how I know this. I dare you. On today's episode of Just Grow Something, we'll review what the USDA hardiness zone map actually means, what temperatures differentiate a frost from a freeze, which crops can survive an initial frost, and then different options for frost and freeze protection in the garden. By the end, you should have a pretty good idea of what you'll need to have on hand based on your hardiness zone, what you're growing in the garden, and how much work you want to put into protecting your plants from the cold. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. In the U.S. and Canada, most gardeners rely on the USDA hardiness zone map to determine their growing zone. This map is how gardeners can determine which plants are most likely to survive year-round at their location. The map is based on the average annual minimum winter temperature divided into 10 degree Fahrenheit zones, which are then translated to Celsius. The current map that we're using was updated in 2012, and it was jointly developed by the USDA's Agricultural Research Service and my alma mater, Oregon State University. Go Beavers! Now, prior to the 2012 update, the most recent version was from 1990, and the first one was done way back in 1960. Now, in that first version, my area of Missouri was listed as Zone 6A. In 1990, we were redesignated as Zone 5B. And then in the 2012 version, we were pushed back into Zone 6A. But if you're not sitting and looking at a hardiness zone map, this isn't going to make any sense. What does all of that mean? So 
Planet hardiness zones represent the average extreme minimum temperature in your area. They do not reflect the coldest it has ever gotten in that area. It's just the average of the lowest winter temperature for that location in the 30-year period from 1976 to 2005. Now, the reason that many areas shifted is because in the new version, there were two zones that were added, and the new map is generally a half zone warmer than the previous map because the old map was only based on temperature data from a 13-year period of 1974 to 1986. So this most recent update is more accurate. But... I think we all recognize that many of our areas are getting warmer and our extreme low temperatures in the winter may not be what they used to be. So we'll see what happens the next time they update this map. But for now, it seems to be pretty accurate. That being said, this simply shows us what vegetation will generally survive year round in your area. So if something says it's hardy to zone four, well, that means it can survive temperatures down to the usual lowest winter temperature of negative 30 Fahrenheit or negative 34.4 Celsius. But if it says it's hardy to zone 8, well, it's not surviving temperatures colder than 10 Fahrenheit or negative 12.2 Celsius. And anytime something says not frost tolerant, it means that anything below 32 Fahrenheit or 0 Celsius is going to kill that plant. But this all depends on the level of protection you can provide. So if you're interested in extending your season, you just need to know whether or not the plants you have in your garden can survive a frost or a moderate freeze, and then whether they can survive a severe freeze with a little bit of help. And know that if you buy something that says it's a perennial, be sure it's a perennial in your zone. First things first, when we're preparing to go into fall and winter, we need to know our area's average first frost date. This is the average date of that first light freeze in the fall. I will leave a link in the episode show notes to a page that will help you find both your first average frost date and your last average frost date if you're in the U.S. or Canada. For the rest of the world, you should have some sort of an almanac you can reference through your local government or a local university. These dates are probably about a 30% probability based on historical data. So don't rely on these dates. They just give you a good guideline. And I would recommend having your frost protection at the ready at least two weeks prior in most cases. This year, the almanac says that my first frost date is likely to be here October 20th, but you can bet I already have my frost class ready right now, even though it was 90 degrees here today. So what type of materials we choose for frost protection is going to depend on how much protection the plant needs and what kind of weather we're protecting it from. The classification of freeze temperatures is based on the temperature's effect on the plants. So a light freeze, or what we might call a frost, is 32 degrees Fahrenheit down to 29 Fahrenheit, or 0 Celsius to negative 1.7. These are the temperatures where most tender plants are killed and larger plants can get significantly damaged. But we certainly can pretty easily protect our tender annuals at this stage of the game with enough frost cover, and our more hardy annuals will survive these temperatures without a cover. We'll go over which 
ones those are here in a minute. Now, a moderate freeze is 28 degrees Fahrenheit down to 25 Fahrenheit, or negative 2.2 down to negative 3.9 Celsius. We often refer to this as a hard freeze. This is widely destructive to most of your vegetation, but again, your frost-hardy plants will likely do okay here with some additional protection. And then a severe freeze is 24 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 4.4 Celsius and colder. This is heavy damage to most of our garden plants, but this does not mean that we can't overwinter some plants in these colder conditions with the right preparations. I'll refer you back to the episodes where we've talked about overwintering plants, and I will link to those in the show notes. So what plants are we talking about that need this protection? Anything that's an annual in most areas, meaning plants that grow, produce a crop, go to seed, and then die all in one season are generally susceptible to frost. These plants are referred to as annuals because they complete their life cycle in one season. This is versus like a perennial that grows vegetatively one year, dies back, but then roots will remain in the ground and that will store energy for it to sprout again the following season. And then it completes its reproduction, you know, in the second year by flowering and going to seed. So not all perennials will survive winters in all locations. And that's why we say plants are hardy to a specific zone. And this is all based on that extreme coldest temperature for each region. Some annuals are hardy enough to survive some pretty cold temperatures though. So things like tomatoes, peppers, basil, eggplants, summer squashes, anything that is native to a warmer or more Mediterranean climate are really not good at surviving a frost. If you have plants that are still productive and you have fruit on the plant that you're waiting to get to the right size in order to get them to ripen, and you see you have a frost coming, but it's followed up by like two weeks of really beautiful weather, it might be worth it to you to protect those plants and allow them to continue doing their thing. I have done this with late tomatoes and peppers for sure. But as the day length gets shorter, these plants naturally become less productive. So it's they're likely not going to produce new fruits as the season goes on. So these season extension measures are usually only going to be short-lived just to get already existing fruit to maturity and then be able to get them to ripen. Conversely to this, we have things that like the cooler weather, like cabbage, broccoli, kale, collards, chard, arugula, spinach, carrots, beets, turnips, all of those things that do really well um, in cooler weather. A lot of them do really well in a frost or a light freeze as well. They generally don't even need any added protection when the temperatures are above that 29 Fahrenheit or negative 1.7 Celsius. Now, after that, below those temperatures, they can be successfully protected with heavy layers of protection down to well below zero Fahrenheit or negative 17.8 Celsius. Just depends on how determined you are to have fresh leafy greens in the winter where you are. And even if you don't want to actively harvest them during the winter, using some of the methods I'll talk about next will help keep them protected long enough to bounce back up for a spring harvest. 
Now, before we talk about how to protect our hardy greens from frost, I want to talk to you about another type of greens, and those are the ones in my Magic Mind shots. I've mentioned my sort of obsession with Magic Mind in the past couple of episodes, but I haven't talked about what is actually in these green shots that makes them so effective. Magic Mind is made with organic matcha for the natural energy boost, nootropics that support attention, cognitive processes, and working memory, and adaptogens that help reduce stress and anxiety. We talked in our mushroom episodes about the neural benefits of lion's mane mushrooms. Those are in Magic Mind. Turmeric and cordyceps, which both help reduce post-exercise inflammation. You know I love this, right? All kinds of immunity-boosting vitamins and so much more good stuff. And you know me, I'm all about the science and evidence-based solutions. And Magic Mind links their website to peer-reviewed studies that show the benefits of the ingredients they use. And I am walking proof of this every day now. Get your own little green productivity shots by going to magicmind.com slash justgrow and using code justgrow20 for a limited time discount off of your subscription. The subscription saves you money on each bottle anyway, and then they're giving you a little something extra, which is great because once you try it, you really won't want to run out. That code is also good for a 20% off a one-time purchase. MagicMind.com slash JustGrow with code JustGrow20 at checkout for your own little green happy shot. So what types of methods can we use to safeguard our hardy greens and other cool weather plants going into the fall and into the winter? The first thing is actually mulch. So if we're covering the soil around the plants with a layer of organic materials like straw or hay or leaves or even wood chips, this is acting as an insulating layer. This is going to regulate the soil temperature and it's going to prevent that rapid cooling during very cool nights. It helps retain heat and moisture. It reduces the stress on the plant roots. And it's also, of course, going to suppress any weed growth that comes up first thing in the spring, plus conserve that soil moisture and enhance the soil fertility. So as it's warming the soil or keeping that heat trapped in there, it is helping to protect your plant roots. The next thing, if you see a, a frost coming, is to make sure to water your plants. Making sure that your plants are well watered prior to a frost can actually make a world of difference in the damage that they sustain. The higher the volume of water that is in the plant's cells, the harder it is for them to freeze. So think about a pond. The shallower edges of a pond freeze much more quickly in those cold temperatures than and the deeper center. This is the same concept for your plants. It, it took me a while to get my head wrapped around this, but if their cells are swollen with water, a light freeze is going to have less of a chance of causing those ice crystals to form within the cells and puncture the membranes. Because if that happens, it disrupts the movement of fluids and it damages the tissues, especially when they start to thaw out. So we want them to be completely swollen with water. We want them well watered. And then that moist soil also has an insulating effect and it radiates heat upward towards the plant. So if you water really well during the warmest part of the afternoon, before a frost hits, you can actually help prevent damage to the plants. Now, the third thing we want to look at is frost cloth, okay? These can be called frost cloth, frost blankets, row covers, whatever they're called. They're all lightweight, breathable fabrics that provide a protective barrier against the frost. They trap the heat from the ground 
around the plants. So it's creating a microclimate around the plants that keeps them warmer. Now these all come in various thickness, okay? Some of them are allowing more light to penetrate while still providing cold protection. Others of them are more thick. They're really easy to use. They can just be draped over top of the plants or you can support them with hoops or stakes. Now, you can buy frost covers in a very, very light weight and then just double them up when the temperatures threaten to get colder. Usually the lightest weight stuff is also sometimes called just insect protection or insect barrier. This is different than what I refer to as insect netting. This is actually a cloth that is very thin. It's almost sheer. And it does work well for insects, but in my experience, it also heats the air up underneath. So I really only use this in the early spring, kind of as a combo insect barrier and frost cloth, because in my area, the rest of the year, it's just too hot to use this as an insect protection. So this is when I switch to using the netting. But the bonus to using this in the spring is that it's doing double duty, and if I need more protection, it can be doubled up over on itself to provide more. So I can actually use this again in the fall. And as the late fall moves in, if I really do still need some insect protection, it also works double duty then. These commercially available frost cloths, when you go to buy them, are going to indicate the level of protection they provide because they come in different weights. There are all kinds of different variations out there from the different companies, and they all have their different naming conventions, whether they call it, you know, insect barrier or lightweight or heavyweight, whatever. So really what you want to do is look at the description very closely, and you want to try to find the weight, and usually this is in ounces. In other areas, it might be in grams, but in my area, this is ounces, right? The lighter it is, the more that I think it's best for like insect control and it's really only adding a degree or two of protection. We're talking a weight of less than half an ounce per square yard here. A more standard grade for general frost protection, something that's going to protect down to about that 28 Fahrenheit or negative 2 Celsius is a 0.55 to 0.6 ounces per square yard. And then heavier still is going to be suitable for overwintering, maybe in a moderate climate down to 26 Fahrenheit or negative three Celsius. And then we have the absolute heaviest for deep freeze. That's going to weigh around one and a half ounces per square yard. And that's going to protect down to about 24 Fahrenheit or negative four Celsius. All of these can be doubled up on each other for added layers of protection. But at that point, you're likely going to want to use supports of some sort under the cover so they're not weighing down on the plants. And remember, the heavier the fabric or the more layers that you use, the less light is going to be transmitted through it. So for temporary covers, this isn't really a big deal, and you can pull them back during the day when it warms up. But as you get further into the season, if you plan on overwintering, you need to know that light reduction is also going to reduce the growth rate of the plants. So keep that in mind, depending on where it is you're gardening and how cold it stays during the day. Now, frost covers don't need to be specifically the commercially available ones. You can use old sheets, fabric shower curtain liners, any lightweight, non-plastic fabric material. So you don't have to go out and buy something specific. Hang on to those old worn out sheets or stained tablecloths or whatever and use them in the garden. 
So for quick frost protection, they absolutely work. For longer term use during the winter though, again, pay attention to that light transmission and then act accordingly. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another way to protect your plants is with mini greenhouses or cloches. So frost tents, mini greenhouses, cloches, whatever you call them, they are protective covers. They're usually made out of plastic. Some of them are made out of glass or other transparent materials. They basically encase either individual plants or small groups of plants. So they're going to trap the heat in the inside and they're going to create, again, a warm sort of microclimate for the plants. Cloches are especially useful for like really early season plantings and really delicate stuff. But later on in the season, also, if you have larger specimens or single specimens of things that you're trying to protect, they work just fine. I tend to go for things like the mini greenhouses because I fit more things in there. You just want to make sure that there's enough ventilation during the day, regardless of what you're using, because you don't want them to overheat. And you also don't want a bunch of condensation to be created inside those containers or inside those covers because that can lead to mold or disease. I will link to the little mini greenhouses like the ones that I have that I use to cover my raised beds. They have been super easy to use in the spring and the fall. They can be zipped open to allow for airflow during the day. And they're tall enough that if I need to put extra protection over top of plants, like some frost cloth in addition to the greenhouse plastic, there's plenty of room to do that even with taller plants. I love these things. I like the idea of cloches, and you can make these out of old plastic milk jugs. If you've got them available, just cut the bottom off of them and then place them over the plant, and then you can like twist the top off for ventilation if you need to. But I've not really found an inexpensive version of these to purchase outright. And then if you've got them a lot of the time, especially if they're made out of glass or something, they're very heavy. You have to worry about sort of storing them and stacking them. And they all seem kind of, I don't know, really pricey for protecting just one plant. So if you have cloches that you use in your garden that you've found for a reasonable price, please feel free to share a link with me and I will share them with everybody. I generally just tend to lean towards the little mini greenhouses. And then finally, you can use heat sources. Um, incandescent light bulbs, even Christmas lights, not the LED ones, the old school ones, the ones that actually give off some heat, well, they will heat up an area to prevent a frost. You can string them up low overhead, top of your over top of your plants. Just make sure they're not touching anything that's flammable, no frost coverings or anything. Um, there's those 100-watt outdoor lamps that you can hang over top of a small garden area to kind of give off some radiant heat. 
depending on how large your garden area is, this is actually often just enough to raise the temperature of the few degrees that we need to to keep it from frosting over, especially if you're on a porch or a balcony or you've got a container garden. Just put the heat source right near the plants or put them inside one of the little mini greenhouses and that will help maintain a higher temperature during those really cold nights. Just make sure, again, these are giving off heat, so don't have them touching anything. You don't want any fire hazards and you don't want to damage the plants. And of course, if you have plants in containers and it's going to dip in temperature for just a night or two, you can bring in those susceptible plants indoors temporarily if the container allows for it to be moved. Just be sure that you put it somewhere that's not too warm compared to what your outside daytime temperatures have been. Anytime you do sudden changes in temperatures, it's going to cause problems for your plant. So a garage or an unheated basement would be just fine. If the containers aren't able to be moved inside, try to insulate around the base of the container as well as covering the plants that are in there and covering the tops. Smaller containers expose more of the soil to colder temperatures, and that's going to increase the possibility of getting damage at the root zones of the plants. So wrap blankets around the base of the containers or use straw mulch or something up against them to insulate them as well as covering the plants. If you can kind of zhuzh them all together and just cluster the pots and the containers together. This is going to help them insulate each other too. And then there are pop-up little mini greenhouses that look like really big cloches, actually. You can put them right over top of a cluster of pots for extra protection, kind of like the ones that I use in my raised beds. I will link to an example of that in the show notes. Now, in most instances, our weather report or our weather app or whatever is going to give us a heads up that a frost is coming if we're paying attention. Um, but we can also pay attention to the daytime conditions too. And that's going to give us an idea of whether we might need some frost protection measures in the garden that night. Anytime we have clear skies, it's going to have a cooling effect. That's going to allow the heat to escape up into the atmosphere. Conversely to that, clouds help to insulate from those sudden swings in temperature. So if it's a beautifully cool fall day and there's not a cloud in the sky, yeah, just be aware of the possibility that a frost may hit that night. Calm conditions, too, with very little wind, those are also more likely to allow for frost because that lack of air movement also means that those warmer air currents are not being distributed over the ground in our gardens. So if you notice any of these conditions on a beautiful fall day, heads up, you may get a frost. I hope that gets you prepared for what is to come this fall season, my gardening friends. Until next time, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.